So, this morning, we're going to be reading through the passage where Paul and the Ephesians church all weep together because Paul has to leave them. Yep. So, let's just all take a deep breath and just acknowledge there is no chance that we make it out of this one unscathed. Um, when someone uh, suggested to me that it would be good for me to preach this one, I will protect said person's anonymity by only referring to them by their first initial. So when, when Jay first suggested, oh, sorry, one last chance at a classic bit. Uh, I was a little reluctant, not just because I thought, well, this is going to be a total disaster. I'm not going to get 11 words out on this morning, but also felt like, man, I am not Paul. Like, it's not like I can read this and be like, just like Paul, I can say this because I am, I am not Paul. And, and much of his experience and, and what he shares with the church in his final address in Ephesus is very different from mine. However, there, there certainly is overlap of a pastor shepherd leaving a beloved church family. And so I will use his encouragement as inspiration for mine as he both encourages the church and exhorts the church. So starting in verse 17, It says, now from Miletus he sent to Ephesus and called the elders of the church to come to him. And when they came to him, he said to them, you yourselves know how long I have lived among you, the whole time from the first day that I set foot in Asia, serving the Lord with all humility and with tears, I've provided plenty of those, and with trials that happened to me through the plots of the Jews, how I did not shrink from declaring to you anything that was profitable and teaching you in public and from house to house, testifying both to Jews and to Greeks of repentance toward God and of faith in our Lord Jesus Christ. And now behold, I am going to Jerusalem, constrained by the Spirit, not knowing what will happen to me there, except that the Holy Spirit testifies to me that in every city, that imprisonment and afflictions await me. But I do not account my life of any value, nor as precious to myself, if only I may finish my course and the ministry that I received from the Lord Jesus to testify to the gospel of the grace of God. And now behold, I know that, n- that None of you among whom I have gone about proclaiming the kingdom will see my face again. Therefore, I testify to you that this day I am innocent of the blood of all, for I did not shrink from declaring to you the whole counsel of God. Pay careful attention to yourselves and to all the flock in which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to care for the church of God which he obtained with his own 
blood. I know that after my departure, fierce wolves will come in among you, not sparing the flock. And from among your own selves will arise men twisting, speaking twisted things to draw away the disciples after them. Therefore, be alert, remembering that for three years I did not cease night or day to admonish everyone with tears. And now I commend you to God and to the word of his grace, which is able to build up, build you up, and to give you the inheritance among all those who are sanctified. I coveted no one's silver or gold or apparel. You yourselves know that these hands ministered to my necessities and to those who were with me. In all things I have shown you that by working hard in this way, we must help the weak and remember the words of the Lord Jesus, how he himself said, it is more blessed to give than to receive. And when he had said these things, he knelt down and prayed with them all. And there was much weeping on the part of all. And they embraced Paul and kissed him, being sorrowful most of all because of the word he had spoken, that they would not see his face again. And they accompanied him to the ship. Father, may you bless the reading of your word. Paul is able to say these things to these people because he understands what biblical leadership is supposed to look like. It is not a board of directors making business decisions, but shepherd elders who are giving themselves for the sake of Jesus and the sake of his people. Paul gives himself, he says, through tears to the building up of the body, the building up of the family of Christ, and, and by setting an example, by leading them, by loving them. I love in verse 20 when he says, I did not shrink from declaring to you anything that was profitable and teaching you in public from house to house. My hope, my prayer is that in my time here, I did not shrink, either in this podium or in our homes, from declaring to you what is true about our Jesus, what is true about the Father, what is true about the Spirit, what is true about my own heart and my own struggle and my own life. And I pray that it was profitable to you. It inspired some of you to love Jesus more. That encouraged some of you to love his word more and to find it even more accessible. And to enjoy it when you pick it up because you know that it is growing you in intimacy with our Jesus. And if it has, and thank our Father, because that is His doing. Hope and pray that in our season here, what we have said and how we have lived in this place has served as an example of how a broken person depends on Jesus for everything as our only hope in life and in death. And if it has, 
then praise the Spirit of God because He is the one who is sustaining us, me and my family, from moment to moment. And the only way that that is possible. And then we come to one of my absolute favorite verses in all of the New Testament, maybe even all of Scripture. It's at least top five. Verse 24. I do not account my life of any value, nor as precious to myself, if only I may finish my course and the ministry that I received from the Lord Jesus Christ to testify to the gospel of the grace of God. The ministry that we have been given is to testify to the gospel of the grace of God, to give witness to, to declare and to demonstrate the gospel of the grace of God. For the last 18 years, the context that this has happened in for me is as a pastor in a local church. And it has been an extraordinary joy and honor for the last six years to do that in this place and with you people. It's been so incredible to get to walk alongside you in a weird couple of years for a while there and to watch this church grow, grow in faith, grow in heart, grow in worship, grow in abiding in Christ and understanding what that means, to watch this church become a church that loves to worship together. Not just a church that enjoys music, but a church that enjoys singing together to Jesus. I love, over the last several weeks, hearing from uh, whoever's on the soundboard, I had to bump up the band because the congregation was drowning them out. Amen. That is a joy. That is joy. Because a singing church is a joyful church. We sing because we love the Jesus that we are singing to. We don't care if the person next to us can hear. Because we're singing to our Jesus. And we're singing to remind our hearts and our souls to tune our hearts to sing His grace. It's been a joy to walk alongside people who did not know Jesus at all or rejected Him or thought Scripture was nonsense and to watch God radically transform them from the inside out. It's incredible. It has been a joy to watch people who have called themselves Christians for a very long time learn how to start actually following Jesus and abiding in Him and watching their faith ignite. 
It has been a joy and a privilege to walk alongside people who have been faithful followers of Jesus for decades and who are pouring in to the younger men and women, the younger families in this church, who are being spiritual parents and grandparents and aunts and uncles and church grandpas. It's a family, being a family. It has been a joy and a privilege to live alongside people who love others in such a way that they truly rejoice when they rejoice and weep when they weep. And it's been a joy and a privilege. To live alongside people who have loved us, loved our kids. And cared for us well through a difficult season. And I'm not staring at my notes because I needed to read that, but because I can't make eye contact with anyone. And there is no safe section right now. So that context is changing for us. Um, I don't know what that'll be like when you've done something for 18 years and it I don't even know what it feels like to do something different. So it's exciting and mildly terrifying. No longer will I be a pastor in a local church, but pastoring men and women from many churches to live Acts 20, 24 to the ends of the earth. But the reality is the most important parts don't change. The context changes the ministry The call is exactly the same. To testify to the gospel of the grace of God. Wherever we are, whatever we do, we testify to the gospel of the grace of God. A privilege that Paul readily prioritizes over his own life, let alone his rights or his preferences or his control, or his comfort. And Paul has a charge to the leaders of the church, specifically. He says, pay careful attention to yourselves and to all the flock in which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers. To care for the church of God, which he obtained with his own blood. The responsibility of the shepherd elder is a heavy privilege. Not unlike an NFL quarterback, many like to critique their performance, though very few are actually qualified or able to handle it themselves. They are, as the author of Hebrews tells us, keeping watch over our souls stewarding 
Jesus' blood-bought family. So while Paul's exhortation is to the elders, my exhortation is to the family regarding the elders. The author of Hebrews says in 13, Obey your leaders and submit to them, for they are keeping watch over your souls as those who will have to give an account. The heaviest burden is not what do you think, but what will Jesus say to me? Did I steward his family faithfully? He says, let them do this with joy and not groaning, for that would be of no advantage to you. Back in Acts, Paul, the reason he's warning the elders, he says, I know that after my departure, fierce wolves will come among you, not sparing the flock, and from among your own selves will arise men speaking twisted things. So what I would urge you and exhort you, church, and encourage you to realize is know that if you hear from someone that you cannot or should not trust the leadership of this church, be wary. They are not only being sinfully divisive, because biblically, if that is true, then they should be telling that to the elders, not to someone else. That's gossip. But they are also speaking out of ignorance. They clearly do not know these men. This elder team of Jay Williams, Jeff Clossy, Doug Smith, and Kevin Johnson are unmatched in their love for and service to this church with humility and tears through trials, they have not and will not shrink from declaring and demonstrating the whole counsel of God for the sake of this family. And those who have been going through pre-elder training, I'm delighted to say will no doubt match them in love and service to this family. It has been a true privilege to serve alongside men of such integrity. Love for Jesus and love for this family. You are extraordinarily well cared for, church. I've had the privilege in serving in several churches and none quite like this. It doesn't mean that they are perfect or that there isn't work to be done to improve how the body functions. They need Jesus just as badly as the rest of us. But it is a rare gift to be a part of a church where the elders truly pay careful attention to themselves and the flock, knowing that they will have to give an account to the one that they belong to and who love this people and the community that this church is in the way that these men do. Follow them as they follow Christ. Help them to love this church well. Be the thing 
that you wish there was more of in this family. Not everyone here is having the same experience, for good or for bad. So if your experience here is that you have felt welcomed, that you have felt loved like family, that you have felt poured into and discipled, then find those who do not and welcome them into that community and that experience. This is your home, so hospitality is your responsibility. Be the pastors, the elders' eyes and ears, both in this family and in the community, to help them to love this family and love this community that God has placed us in better. And let them serve you with joy. Because when you do, everyone wins. Circling back to verse 24. I do not account my life of any value or as precious to myself if only I may finish my course in the ministry that I received from the Lord Jesus to testify to the gospel of the grace of God. The context matters little, church. Whether I'm a pastor in a local congregation or a pastor to missionaries all over the world. Whether you are a third shift worker or a CEO or a farmer or a stay-at-home mom or a student or retired, the context doesn't matter. Right where you are. We have received a glorious ministry from the one who gave himself for us and sends us out on his glorious mission. Ministry that we can walk in right now, regardless of our context. If you are in Christ, you are no longer your own. You have been purchased the price. So whatever you do, do to the glory of God and spend your life testifying to the gospel, the grace of God. I cannot wait to visit and see what God does in this place through this extraordinary people. And now I commend you to God and to the word of his grace which is able to build you up and to give you the inheritance among all those who are sanctified. I love you, church. It's been an honor to serve you. God, you are so good. And you give good gifts to your children. This place and these people are a gift. God, you are doing an extraordinary thing in this place. 
And what you have begun, you promise you will finish. And what you began decades ago, we pray will continue decades and decades into the future. That this place, these people, would be a city on a hill, a light in this community, demonstrating and declaring your goodness, your mercy, and your grace to the ends of the earth. Amen. I was totally just rolling with it, um, but they're not done with you. Um, I want to just take a minute um, and just pray, and I want you to stay standing. Um, Stacy, you already hate me this week, so if you could just come up here. I want you to stand with Robbie. Can you do it? If Carrie lets you go. Um, I said a few weeks ago that When Paul was talking about Priscilla and Aquila and how thankful he was for friends, um, that that was you guys coming up here. Um, and so we will we will be able to share those stories down in the reception area, and I want to do that after we're done here. This is worship, and so I want to focus on that, but. Um, it has been an incredible joy um, this doesn't happen without God bringing you here and using you here and I know you shake your head at that and that's fine I know that God would use us if we didn't come here God is still going to do what God's going to do and he'll do those incredible things long after you and I are both gone but he's chosen to use you in this way and so we are grateful. And so now I know he's going to use you in mighty ways moving forward. And so what I want to do is have us just stand. And I'm going to, I'm going to put a hand on my brother. And I want to encourage you, um, if you'd like to pray with me in this blessing, to just reach your hand out towards Robbie and Stacy, As we send them and commission them for the work of the, the ministry of the gospel of Jesus Christ to Colorado and to the ends of the earth. So, Father, we thank you for what you have done through Robbie and through Stacy and Haley and Joey while they have been here. God, I will never be able to thank you enough for sending these dear friends who have sustained me and upheld me and through difficult trials and it has been our joy God that you had placed us with them as they have gone through incredibly difficult trials 
that we have had the privilege and joy and honor of being able to love them and serve them. And so, Lord, as this church family now, we commend them to you. We say, God, we know that they belong to you and that we have so loved knowing them. And we know that, God, we will continue to get to hear of all the incredible things you are doing through them. But, Lord, we send them as this church family, as faith church, as this family that has walked together, God, we have heard your call. And though through trials and through suffering we have gotten to this point, we know, God, that you are sovereign and that you are calling them. And so we have heard that and we send them. And we pray that you would bless them as they go. We pray that you would make them fruitful in their ministry. We pray that they would encourage and equip with power and conviction those who desire to lay aside their lives for the sake of the gospel to the ends of the earth. God, that you would help them to continue to grow in their love for people and their love for you. God, and that you would do incredible, mighty things and that we would all get to rejoice as we continue to support them and to hear and pray for them and to love them. And God, knowing that one day we will all be in heaven together rejoicing at all of the incredible things that you have done. So Lord, to you be all the glory. Thank you for our dear brother and sister. Go with them and before them. In the name of Jesus Christ and the power of the Holy Spirit, amen.